If the emergency money for the People Act passes, or the EMFTPA, Americans can see $48,000 in tax-free money. Now, here are 10 things you should do with it if this money, if it passes. Number one, ensure your normal life. Use this money if you have no other source of income as the buffer for until things get back to normal. Use it to keep a roof over your head, food in your belly, and any other daily necessities. Keep this money in a high-interest savings or checking account, paying at least 1% interest, which you could actually do by just joining Robinhood down below. Now, you won't get rich if you're in this situation, but it will allow you to live your life stress-free until you get a normal stream of income coming in every week. Number two, pay down debt. At a time when so many lenders and credit card issuers are offering relief and forbearance to borrowers, it might seem strange to talk about using your stimulus check to pay off debt. But paying down debt also can be a good option for your stimulus cash, depending on your situation and goals. For example, what if you owe just a few more payments on your car, house, or even credit cards. Imagine if you could be debt-free with cash left over. If you want that peace of mind, go ahead and do just that. Paying off debt is never a bad financial move because of the weight it lifts off your shoulders. But think carefully about how to prioritize your debt payments. Unless you can just clear all of it in one go, have a plan and stick to it. Number three, build your emergency savings. If you have no debt and you don't have an adequate cash emergency fund in the bank, you may want to put some or all of your stimulus check into an emergency fund. In times of uncertainty, many people feel an extra sense of calm and confidence by having cash in the bank. If you have a steady job and you don't need the $2,000 per month for any of your needs, a great option is to put into a separate bank account that is harder to get to and have it as a purely emergency fund of three to six months worth of expenses. This will make you feel more confident in your decision making when it comes to any purchase you make. Number four, invest, in, invest cash into a money market. This is not an emergency fund, this is separate. This is money that is liquid for buying and investing opportunities. Now you can put this money entirely into stocks and using this fund to represent the cash bond allocation, but again, it all depends on your own risk tolerance. That will provide you with cash to make new investments, particularly after a market sell-off when you might be able to scoop up stocks at bargain prices. But having at least some additional cash in your actual stock portfolio is always a good idea. In most situations, you should have cash equal to about 5% to 10% of your investment portfolio. So if you have 50000 in your portfolio, between 2500 and 5000 should be a liquid cash form. In bull markets, you want to be on the lower end of that range and at higher end during bear markets. The basic idea is to build cash in declining markets to buy stocks at a discount, but to be more fully invested in stronger markets. Makes sense. U.S. Treasury bonds for most small investors, the best way to invest in bonds is through bond funds. You can invest in funds that specialize in each of the above bond types, or you can even invest in a bond fund that holds all of them at the same time. Number five, invest in stocks. 
Stocks, on the other hand, are primarily about capital appreciation. With capital appreciation comes the risk of loss, and that's why we spend so much time on capital preservation investments. But let's focus on discussing stocks here. Just as with the case with bonds, there are all different types of stock. There are common stocks and preferred stocks. There's also what is known as sector stocks, such as energy, natural resources, technology, healthcare, and emerging markets. For most small investors, the best way to invest in stocks is through funds, and more specifically, index funds. The benefit of index funds is that they are invested in an actual index of stocks, such as the S&P 500. That gives you the broadest possible market exposure without taking on the specific risk of loading up in a small number of stocks or a limited number of sectors. The other advantage of index funds is that they are typically held through exchange-traded funds or ETFs. These are low-cost, no-load funds that don't trade actively. For that reason, they're perfect for the buy-and-hold type of investing, which is what you should be doing as a long-term investor. If you feel comfortable doing so, you can allocate a very small percentage of your stock portfolio to certain individual stocks. The general rule here is that you should invest only with money that you can afford to lose. Individual stocks are subject to all kinds of risk, including industry shifts, regulatory changes, and competition. That makes them much riskier than index funds, and that's why they should only be a small slice of your stock allocation. An option to consider, if you don't feel comfortable selecting and managing your own investments, is using a robo advisor. One of the laziest ways is with Acorns, where it basically rounds up all of your purchases that you make using a debit or credit card, and invests it on your behalf. Now they'll determine your risk tolerance for you, then design a portfolio for you, and all the management of your portfolio will also be handled by Betterment if you were to go with Betterment instead of Acorns, including portfolio rebalancing and dividend reinvestment, giving you a fully automated, professionally managed, hands-off investment portfolio. All you need to do from that point on is fund the account. Number six, peer-to-peer lending. Growing in popularity, peer-to-peer lending is a relatively new form of borrowing and lending, where individuals lend money to each other for a profit. Two companies offering peer-to-peer lending are Prosper and Lending Club, and I put them to the test that resulted in impressive returns. While both platforms are admirable, Lending Club has become my go-to source for investing in P2P loans. Lending Club recommends starting out with an investment of $2,500, so you can buy into 100 different loans and really spread out any risk. Number seven, invest in CDs. A CD is a smart spot to put your investment money for safekeeping. While you won't get the same high-flying returns you could from riskier investments, a CD provides you with security and stability. When you invest funds into a CD, you receive a set interest rate and agree to a term, which could be a few months, ten years, or anything in between. CDs tend to come with higher interest rates than savings accounts. But the catch is limited access to your funds. If you withdraw before your term reaches maturity, you pay a penalty. A CD could be an excellent place to stash your cash as you decide where to invest that forty thousand dollars, giving you time to think with interest. Number eight, create a will or living trust. Everyone, no matter how rich or poor, needs an estate plan, because when you shuffle off this mortal coil. You leave behind possessions, debts, assets, and possibly people who depend on you. In other words, you leave behind a mess your loved ones must clean up for you. Even with a will or living trust, that mess creates a surprising amount of work. 
Without one, your legacy becomes one of chaos at the best and infighting and legal battles at worst. You can hire an attorney to draft your estate plan. On the plus side, they can ensure every T is crossed, every I is dotted. The downside is that it costs more money to hire an attorney to draft custom legal documents for you. But keep in mind that your estate plan is an evolving animal, not a one-time chore. You'd need to revisit it every few years, particularly after major life changes such as getting married, having kids, or buying or selling a home. Number nine, invest for passive income. The holy grail of the personal finance world, which is passive income, is the key to financial independence. With enough passive income, you can cover your living expenses, rendering your day job optional. In other words, you can retire no matter your age. The idea is simple. You invest money once, and that investment keeps paying you income for many years to come, perhaps indefinitely. Imagine you spend around four thousand dollars per month on living expenses. You invest some money in stocks and index funds, which generate around three hundred dollars per month for you in dividends. At a certain point, you buy a rental property, which produces another five hundred dollars per month for you, and you invest some money in crowdfunding websites and private notes to generate another two hundred dollars of monthly income. That puts you at one thousand dollars in monthly passive income, or twenty-five percent of your monthly living expenses. As you keep building passive income and approach one hundred percent, working becomes optional as you no longer need your salary income to live. That ratio of your passive income to your living expenses is called your financial independence ratio, or FIRE, financial independence in retiring early ratio. Number ten. By life insurance, many adults, particularly those with families and dependents, need life insurance. If your family would become strapped financially should you meet your maker, you need life insurance. If you're unsure about how much coverage to buy, develop a basic understanding of the different types of life insurance policies available. Run your own numbers on how much life insurance you actually need. Your family doesn't need to move into a palace if you kick the bucket, but they do need their basic living expenses met. So speak with multiple sales reps and plenty of friends and family about their own life insurance coverage. Bonus: Start or grow a business. In today's world, it's easier than ever to start your own business, especially for virtual businesses with few startup or overhead costs. You can even convert a hobby into a money-making business and eventually quit your day job. If you're new to entrepreneurship, start with a side gig while continuing to work your day job. Now you can start small and see how you like it to explore what it would take to grow it into a full-time business. And feel free to watch more episodes by clicking this box right here, and we'll see you in future episodes. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. If you did, feel free to leave a review and DM us on Instagram at Forty and Box as to what you would like to learn more about when it comes to money and personal finance and making money. Now, if you want to learn the simple steps to make money online using just a phone or a computer in a PowerPoint presentation, join the free training below. You could join Robinhood and get a free stock worth up to five hundred dollars. Hello, and make sure to check out fortyandbox.com to be a master of your money. And there are useful tools on there to help grow your money on there as well, like automated investing apps and just free resources that could really help you out. And thanks for listening, and see you on the next episode. And this has been the Fortyandbox podcast.